Welcome to the newest edition of the Minorities Report. As always, I am your head minority in charge, Gus. Along with me, as usual, is my biracial consigliere, Jay. Jay how's, Shell to his friends. How's it going, everybody? So, what's up, Jay? How's your week been? It's been good. It's been good. Like, I started, um, what's it called? Uh, catching up to, like, my uh, my streaming queue you said and everything. Ke- catch up? Catch up. Oh, I like mustard. Cats up. Uh, catch up. Catch oh, speaking up. of streaming, dude, yeah. dude I, I uh, binge watched on Paramount Plus the new Stallone show. Yeah. Uh, Tulsa King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro. Right on. Sylvester Stallone has created another iconic character. Right up there with uh, with Rocky Balboa, John Rambo, and Barney. Mm-hmm. Barney. <laughs> Barney Ross. Barney Ross. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So but what, yeah. You been, what you been watching? I've been watching uh, Warrior Nun. You know, it was uh, based on the comic from back in the day. Oh, yeah. Ariella Warrior Nun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, I, I, I've been that a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead and give your opinion of it so far. Cause I can... so, so far, I dig it. Because uh, like I'm only a couple episodes in and everything, but I do dig it so far. Right. Um, but uh, it's a shame that like you know there's only two seasons of it. Yeah, Netflix canceled it, which kind of you know yeah. it's kind of fucked up that they did. Mm-hmm. And which uh, brings us to our topic today. Well, before you before you do that, I want yeah. to give my opinion on it because okay. I grew up reading that comic book because it was a '90s comic book. It was an indie comic. Uh-huh. Um, it. I think that Ninja Turtles opened the door up for a lot of independent comic books back in oh, the yeah. day. Because a lot of people don't know that uh, Ninja Turtles was an indie comic. We're, we're, we're talking like underground, <laughs> and underground. Very graphic. Yeah. If you watch, there's a sh- there's a show on Netflix also called mm. the the Toys That Made Us. Oh, I love that show. And the the net the one the episode with the Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. They they talk to the the creators with Peter Laird and Mark Eastman. Kevin Eastman. Kevin, Kevin Eastman. Yeah. They were sitting, they, they were two struggling comic book artists and writer, mm-hmm. and they were struggling to come up with an idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them just drew a doodle of a, of a turtle mm-hmm. dressed like a ninja. Right. And he goes, and they just went, that's where it was born. Sitting at a kitchen table, they came up with that that's idea. All, that's how all the best ideas come from. When you're, just, when you're just like winging it, you yeah, know? Well, and, was it IBM started in a garage? Right, exactly. <laughs> or uh, what was it? Um, but yeah, so, and you know, it's great is that... Um, it sh- it uh it sh- you know what's funny is that right. it was actually a parody like it was like a dark parody of like Kevin e- uh, not no I, no it was it was a no, dark was parody a, of, of like X Men well, no 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 of Frank Miller well it was Frank- a Frank Miller but they based him kind of well they based the name on the X Men yeah and they based it like you said it was yeah. a kind of a parody of the Frank Miller yeah but they also tied it to Daredevil. Right, because that's why, and which explains like his its whole aesthetic, like the whole black and white, right. dark gritty and everything. But it's like mutant turtles. Well, that and also no, they directly linked it to uh, Daredevil, saying that the ooze mm-hmm. or the the chemicals that blinded Matt Murdock was the also one the that ones created. that created them. So, yeah, yeah. But I thought that was cool. Let's, so hopefully we get to see you know a Daredevil Ninja Turtles crossover <laughs> that would be cool. coming soon to Disney Plus. Uh, well, they. <laughs> just like everything Disney would have to buy the Ninja Turtles right but they got the they got the Skrilla for it yeah anyway go real quick back so I, I used to read Warrior Nun Ariella mm-hmm. and I dug the show if it wasn't called Warrior Nun mm-hmm. because it's completely different from the from the original you know like they didn't translate it well because first first there is no Ariella except in those flashbacks mm-hmm. so she was like one of the original warrior nuns mm-hmm. uh, so I kind of that kind of threw me off but anyway yeah because a lot of the streaming that you were talking about we wanted to co- talk today mm-hmm. first about well we're going to talk today about what's going on 
with streaming and all that because mm. now there's a writer strike. Yeah. And it reminds me that there was a writer strike. What about is it like 12, 15 years ago? Something yeah, like that? Yeah, in 2007, 2008. And that was yeah. like the most well known uh, writer strike. And um, that affected Hollywood big time. Oh, huge. A, lo- a huge. lot of a lot of shows were canceled were, were, because I, of it, yeah. were either canceled or cut short. And not not just TV shows, but this also affected movies as well. And um, so it basically, like you know, with the 2007 2008 writer strike, right? Th- that cost like California over about like 12 billion dollars. Billion? Th- you said billion would it be? Mm-hmm. And this was right when the recession was about to hit. So imagine dealing with the writer strike when your top industry mm. is entertainment thanks obama <laughs> <laughs> and then here comes the recession so they got the two-piece combo there so cut to uh 15 years later we're going through the same thing or they're going through the same thing actually right um you know as you were dealing with the recession from like you know covid and all that and now it's uh COVID's not to blame for the recession it's joe biden dude oh well psh, excuse the fuck out of me thanks joe biden he did that <laughs> as you put your that dumbass sticker sticker yeah bro huh? <laughs> anyway so yeah so the um the so the strike officially uh, started on may 2nd and it um it's so far it's going for like so far two weeks and five days and this isn't an overnight thing um, because you have the it's like two basically two sides you have the Writers Guild of America right and then you have the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Television Producers the uh, the um, say that three times fast right the <laughs> a, APTP basically yeah. you're down with the APT yeah you know me apparently they're not because <laughs> that's where they're striking <laughs> so um, but no so it was negotiations because. Um, the uh, WGA, the Writers Guild of America, yeah. they wanted um, their writers to be taken care of. Uh, they wanted uh, residuals for streaming. Because as you know, streaming is the big thing. It's no longer t- cable TV. Oh, absolutely. It's streaming services. Well, even even movie theaters are losing money because a lot of stuff is going straight to stream. Right. And e- either that or like a lot of people, I think, have a bit of PTSD from COVID. Yeah. So they don't want to go into a crowded theater. Mm-hmm. It made a lot of theaters change their venues because now they're more more yeah. those luxury theaters where yeah. you have to get designated seating mm-hmm. they're bigger chairs people are wider apart yes i dig personally oh i so. love that like me and my girlfriend yeah. like i remember like our first um, one of our first dates was going to that one of your first dates you it said was, what it was going to like um those luxury theaters right and they were nice though and also it put us at ease because like with covid going around and everything so the only thing i have a problem with those chairs mm-hmm. they lean all the way back and you, you have a footrest you can put up yeah i used to fall asleep in the movies before oh because you're too comfortable <laughs> now don't say even in the whole the fucking tight chairs right i used to fall asleep so imagine now yeah i'm like well good night right <laughs> no, but yeah yeah a lot, so, of, yeah, a lot so, of the local theaters changed to that yeah so but, but, but what i was saying mm-hmm. Because a lot of theaters are losing money because it, because of the COVID and people don't want to go to the theater. They mm-hmm. go, well, I'll wait two months and it'll be on, on Disney Plus. It'll be on Paramount Plus. Right. So I don't have to go to the theater. Mm-hmm. And you're right. So yeah. you were saying about that. But yeah, so they um, so like the, the negotiations, basically WGA, they just wanted like their writers to be taken care of. And I'm going I'm to go into the writers a bit and everything in just a minute. But they, you know, wanted like, you know, compensation for streaming. Um, you know, they wanted uh, addressed abuses of mini rooms. I'll get into that as well as well as uh, ensure appropriate television series writing compensation throughout the entire process of pre-production, production, production, and post-production. So in other words, right now, they were paying them just to write it. 
Yeah. And because in the old in the old format, mm-hmm. if you wrote a TV show, mm-hmm. once it aired, you would get residuals. Mm-hmm. And if once it went into syndication, you would get residuals on every single episode you wrote in syndication. Yeah. Like uh, take for example Jerry Seinfeld. I know he's not a writer, but Jerry mm-hmm. Seinfeld when his show went into syndication, he was making enough money that he doesn't even have to work anymore. Well, you know, he was smart about that because he knew the big money was in syndication. Exactly. Because you get a good chunk of change whenever your show oh, is like uh, airs reruns. Like, I mean, like your brother, for example. My brother still gets residuals from movies that he did like 10 years ago. Yeah. They're not huge checks. But right. he still gets it. Right. Uh, but well, the thing is with old TV series, mm-hmm. yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was this way. I think it's still that way. Mm. Once a show, a show couldn't go into syndication unless it had five years of original episodes um kind of it had yeah. to have a hundred episodes a hundred uh, plus episodes so yeah but normally you hit a hundred episodes in five years because right the average series is like 20 to right two episodes so that's why when uh shows when they get canceled too soon and everything they can't really get like the best out of residuals well yes and yeah. no because they can still go into syndication depending yeah because uh some shows go directly to syndication mm. but one of the most famous ones is baywatch Right. Baywatch went directly into syndication. What, what syndication basically means is that they sell it to local theaters. I yeah. mean, excuse me, local, local TV ne- stations. Networks, yeah. Local TV stations, and they can air it. Mm-hmm. So they were getting residuals from every local TV station that's airing it. Oh, but that's different, though, because Baywatch was still going on in syndication. I meant that... Well, no, it, it, Baywatch it, was it, created for syndication. Right. Oh, no, no. Actually, it was created for network TV at first. Shut up. Yeah, NBC. Its first season was on NBC. Primetime NBC. Really? Oh, yeah. Must wow. see TV. And oh, everything. so then it became a syndicated show after right. that. And that didn't last 100 episodes. No, no. Well, because like you know, what's funny is that that show started out as like a drama. Like really, yeah, not, it was. Yeah, yeah. Then it was became like a, a parody drama. of itself. It did, yeah, because that's what brought the viewers in. <laughs> yep. You know, I mean, who doesn't remember the slow motion beginning? Some people stand in the darkness. The creator. I actually read this interview <laughs> like in a magazine. Like I think it was like Maxim or stuff or whatever. But the creator admitted that he was high off his ass when he thought of the idea of the slow motion run. <laughs> but it worked though. That yeah. was like the. That's what, like, you know, that's, like, what you think when you think of Baywatch so, and everything. So, in other words, he writes, like, Seth Rogen. Yeah. High as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, mean, when you look at the creator, he looks like a Seth Rogen type. You know, you know who was like that way, too? Believe yeah. it or not, Alf. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do not get me started on the backstory of Bro, Alf. Al, dude, the creator of Alf. He, he was, was out of his fucking mind. Well, yeah, no, he was high on heroin half the time he was writing. Yeah. But, no, but he also had, like, almost like a, what do you call it? He was, like, okay, uh, Batman. Yeah. Uh, one of his villains, yeah. Scarface. If, if you, uh, if for folks that don't oh, know, oh, the puppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah, folks yeah. that don't know, Scarface was a. Uh, well, first it was a puppeteer. I forgot the name of the. His puppeteer. name is a ventriloquist. Yeah, that's the name of the villain itself. Is a little old man. Yeah, and then he created this puppet named Scarface, yeah. and then Scarface is the one in control. Yeah, but it's it's he has a split personality. Yeah, so. Scarface, who he talks through with his second personality through the puppet, yeah. is the one, quote unquote, in control. He's the mob boss. That's how it was with Paul Fusco, the creator of ALF. Yeah, the so creation yeah. became bigger than the creator. Right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, kind of like, for lack of a better term, Jim Henson. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody loves Jim Henson, but his creation became bigger than him. Oh, yeah, but he uh, but he was still like, um, he wasn't an egomaniac right. about it. Like, but he, you know. the, the writer of ALF was also the puppeteer for it. Right. And they actually created a movie mm-hmm. based on him with, per, with Permanent ben Midnight. Yeah. yeah. With ben Stiller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it covers all his heroin addiction and everything. Oh, yeah. But yeah. So but you were saying about the writer strikes. But yeah. So, and uh, let's see here. But yeah, also expand protections to cover all television writers. Right. Um, apply MBA minimums to comedy variety programs made for new media. So the MBA is the minimum basic agreement. And, and you're saying, 
saying M is in Mary, right? Right. Okay. Minim- yeah. Because M- it sounds like NBA. Right, right. The National Basketball League protects yeah, those the guys, Those guys are very protected. Right. Oh, there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so basically it was established at a minimum wage for television and film writers. Mm-hmm. So in television, the NBA only applied to those who wrote for broadcast shows right. and not for streaming. So for example, um, you know, if you're a writer for let's say like you know late uh, late night with Stephen Colbert mm-hmm. or Jimmy Kimmel and everything you were you were protected however if you were a writer for the problem of John Stewart you were not protected and then you would actually have to do like uh, what's it called? That's that loan one on no- Apple TV, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. loan negotiations oh, and everything. Okay. So yeah, so um, but yeah, uh, pension and health uh, healthcare fund, and that that's a definite big one and everything. So what you're saying is that a lot of the streaming shows are non-union, as they call them. Yeah, as far as the writers go. As far as the writers, yeah. yeah. Um, for feature contracts in which compensation falls below a specific threshold, require right. weekly payment of compensation and a minimum of two steps. Strengthen regulation of options and exclusivity, exclusivity, excuse me, and television writer employment contracts, and regulate use of material produced using uh, artificial intelligence or similar technology. So, as you guys know, AI has become big. Um, so it started out as like you know AI making like you know AI generated art. And yeah, then, the, was it the NFTs? Yeah, and yeah. then now it's become to like actually writing scripts for shows, yeah. hosting shows like Joe Rogan. He did a whole episode where it was AI Joe yeah. Rogan. Yeah. And no, you could not tell the difference. And, no, yeah, and it was in his voice. I yeah. heard about that. It was crazy. Right. Because I heard that also a lot of the schools now mm-hmm. have to kind of counter that because some kids are writing their papers mm-hmm. using AI. You know, they'll say they'll put in the name like say Madame Curie biography. Yeah. You know, and and they'll put like how many letter or how many pages it needs to be or how many words mm-hmm. and it just creates it for them. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and this is such Skynet uh, shit right here because it's basically they're tr- like studios. As you know, studios love to cut corners. Oh, yeah. You want Terminators because that's how you get Terminators. Exactly. <laughs> and so now they're thinking of like um, replacing writers with AI at a larger scale. That's fucked up. It is because here's the thing. AI can produce the material. Right. But we're talking about emotion, nuance, stuff that only a human could think of well they, and a lot of people complain about a lot of movies and shit are cookie cutter now or yeah. there's a lot of reboots mm-hmm. imagine if ai took over there will no longer be any original ideas oh yeah because if you wanted to come up with an original character you have to create it you yeah. have to create his origin story mm-hmm. i don't know if an ai can do that right because what i've seen and heard so far mm-hmm. you have to input what exactly you want so mm-hmm. I couldn't make up a character and put it in because the AI might not know who that is. Right. You know, I mean, that's from what I've understood of it. No, no, that's pretty much what it is. You know, like yeah. it's basically replacing humans. It, well, I mean, it's just like back in like the 1960s, yeah. 70s when uh, computers were replacing data entry workers. Stephen Colbert, I think it was Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Kim, not Jimmy Kim, Jimmy Fallon, mm-hmm. which is the one I don't like. Oh, no, Jimmy Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. It was yeah. Jimmy Kimmel or it was, uh, <laughs> which one I don't like. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. it was either Jimmy Kimmel or Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. They actually had an AI mm-hmm. write an Eminem song. Yeah. Like they, it, and they played it and it was like 
it was in Eminem's voice oh, and yeah. it was in his flow. I'm like, what mm -hmm. the fuck, man? <laughs> yep. And we can all be entertained by this. Like, we laugh at it. It's cool and everything and whatnot, but it does long-term damage because yep. here's the thing. Writers are at the bottom of the totem pole, oh, yeah. which is really fucked up because writers are the backbone, they're the blood of like our favorite TV shows, our mm -hmm. favorite movies, all those iconic lines, but they're treated as lesser people. Yep. And so now they, you know, with all the shit that they're going through as writers, now you add AI to it. Right. It, yeah. It just. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. But to touch on back to the song, mm -hmm. I was like, as soon as I heard that and it sounded so good, I was like, oh, <laughs> Lars Ulrich thought Napster pissed him off. Oh, I'm saying <laughs> we don't need you anymore. <laughs> anyway, yeah. let's go ahead and take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Jesse from Make It a Combo. Thanks for listening to the Minorities Report. But don't forget to listen to our podcast, Make It a Combo, where we watch movies and have fun. Also, make sure you check out M.I. Slut, hosted by Andrea, where she gets down to the nitty gritty of people's sex life. And we're back. Thank you guys for continuing to hang out with us. So we're talking writer's strike, how mm -hmm. streaming is killing writer's income. Mm -hmm. So you were saying something. So... What was it that you were talking about when we went on the break? Okay, so yeah, so as I um, as I stated earlier, the um, one of the main cr uh, like the crux of the writer strike right now is residuals from streaming services and increased minimum compensation to significantly address the devaluation of writing in all areas of uh, media, so television, right. movies, podcast, podcasts were affected as well, and everything. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa! Hold on. <laughs> Nobody be out there creating an AI me. Right. <laughs> well, who's to say that we're not AI already? Oh, shit. We're too stupid for it to be AI. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, um, but, so streaming and network television are two different beasts. Like, right. So with streaming, they have, have, you, have you noticed that seasons for a, a Netflix show or a Hulu show right. is about like, 10 episodes, eight to 10 episodes. Normally, yes. I yeah. think it's because they know that a lot of people have ADD and they're not going to sit there and watch 22 episodes right. of a series. As opposed to a network television show is like up to 22 episodes. Normally, the yeah. average is anywhere from 16 to 22 episodes. Right. And 16 is considered a short season. Okay, 16 is like <laughs> like a mini like a mini season. Oh, bro, yeah. real quick, sidebar. Mm. Okay, uh, my girlfriend mm -hmm. fucking bamboozled me, hoodwinked me, ran me amok. <laughs> okay. We were, I, I asked them to watch True Blood with me mm -hmm. because, but True Blood, it, it was one of those six to eight episodes, even though it was on HBO, right? So, and it was only like five, six seasons. Mm -hmm. They go, okay, I'll watch that as long as you watch Vampire Diaries after that with me. Mm -hmm. I go, oh, that was right. your big mistake. I was like, all right, cool, because I didn't look into it. Yeah. I'm like, Nine seasons, 22 episodes each. What the fuck? Right. <laughs> I was like, dude, it see, was an eternity. And see, and that's what made streaming popular is because you got shortened seasons. Yeah. And which, with shortened seasons, that means like the story flows a lot quicker. Well, and you and also don't have to wait exactly. 22 weeks. Exactly. Yeah. So with comfort comes discomfort. Mm -hmm. Because with that, the space between seasons on streaming shows right. get re become really long. Have you noticed that breaks between like stream shows are like they last for like a year or oh, two? Dude, my favorite show, The Mandalorian. Yeah. Well, because a lot of them have to wait to see if they get picked up for a next season. Right. And so rather than a few months of broadcast, like, you know, a break with like broadcast shows and everything, it's a couple months. It's usually three months. Yeah. Because they start shooting the next season yeah. as that season is airing. It's basically like a summer vacation for yep. schools and everything. Mm -hmm. So with that that means writers for streaming shows struggle a lot more like like i said uh, writers are like at the bottom of the totem pole which sucks oh absolutely so like 
it, it's just it's like this like really preconceived notion of like uh, how you know Hollywood writers, actors, directors, and everything live. They think that <clears throat> a lot of people have this weird uh, misconceived notion that like writers are living like the big life. They're not. I'm gonna get into that more and everything, but real quick, they struggle just like a retail worker, like a nine to fiver, because as soon as that show is on break, that means they have to try to find the next job. And there are there are folks that like um have to have like second jobs as like dog walkers or working as like, you know, waiters, waitresses and all that. Right. Until like, you know, production starts for like the next show and everything. Or if they find out if they picked up for another season. Right. Exactly. And what fucked up is also that a lot of the times Mm -hmm. uh, series are episodic. Yeah. So it won't be the same writer Mm -hmm. for that for the next episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I feel for them because I, you know, I'm a contract worker, you know, as one assignment, job assignment ends... Do you kill people for a living? <laughs> if I did, I wouldn't have to be dealing with student loans. That shit would be covered and everything. <laughs> he goes, my name is G-Shell. I'm you- here. I'm here to contract you. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah. Oh, that'd be a good hitman name. Oh shit! I think we just started a show. We there just pulled. A, we just pulled a Ninja Turtles <laughs> coming soon. No, J Show Wick, dude. Grow your grow your goatee out and get sunglasses. You could be the next Hawk, right? <laughs> the man named J Shell. <laughs> does that um, make me Spencer for hire? It does. You're Robert Urich. <laughs> well, if somebody has to be <laughs> right. <laughs> but dude, yeah, Spencer was cool. He had that a uh, house where yeah. he could drive his car right into his house. Oh yeah, that was next level back in the day. Hell yeah, right. That was almost like Batman. Batman Dude, but what keeps you from fucking dying from the toxic fumes in your I'm saying. So, yeah. So, but yeah. So, with that. But also, have you noticed that Netflix, Hulu, all those shows, they cancel shows a lot quicker than networks do. Yeah, they do. And so, studios started canceling shows and started contracting their budgets, including those for streaming platforms. But the real problems are the types of jobs, the ways the studios keep costs down, and the deflation of wages, all of which make, make it hard for writers to basically pay their bills. So, basically, they're cutting off their, you know, their legs for the writers and everything so yeah so for example meeting wiki play excuse me i almost said wiki so meeting a weekly play uh, pay for a writer producers mm-hmm. has declined four percent over the last decade so if you adjust that for inflation the decline is 23 percent. you adjusted for inflation no, they apparently they did. Don't tell me how to live my life. Somebody has to. Uh, anyway, so they so in other words, mm-hmm. they decreased their pay mm-hmm. because the value of money went up. Yep. That's a dick move, bro. It really is. <laughs> well, hey, that's the Alliance of Motion Pictures bro, if, and Television Producers in a you, nutshell. If, imagine your boss walks in and goes, mm-hmm. so since the dollar's valued more, we're taking away $5 an hour from you. Yeah. See ya. Because they, and writers have always gone through that shit. Bro, I take a pipe to his knee. Oh, big time. So uh, a writer, they tweeted, they said they made 12K in residuals for a broadcast show. For streaming, their residual check was four bucks. For one episode? No, for... In total? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Why do you, this is exactly why they're striking. Holy shit. Okay, let me tell you something. Their union sucks then. Yeah. Because back in the day, Mm -hmm. when I was a part of a union, I was a part of, of, of Union 3 in New York, which is... The electricians union. Yeah. Even though I was a cable guy. Cable mm-hmm. guy. <laughs> no, yeah, I was a cable guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I caught shit for that because I was that I was working doing that when the movie came out. Anyway. So people thought you were Chip? Yeah. <laughs> cable guy. Steven. Anyway, he goes, we'll be there anywhere from noon to 9, 10, 9 p.m. <laughs> Reminds me of that great line Matthew Broderick said. They're going to be here between 8 a.m. and my death. 
<laughs> Dude, and that's a funny thing because yeah. like we used to try to get them done as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Like I would have appointments that were from twelve to two. Mm-hmm. I'd be calling them at ten a.m. Hey, can I come over now? Yeah, yeah. And when it comes to people's TV, they're like, "Fuck yeah!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah. So I was in the union, mm-hmm. and our union was strong. Dude, okay, if if you stubbed your toe, mm-hmm. you can get two weeks disability. Yeah, because and you still get paid mm-hmm. because that, the union was strong, mm-hmm. and we used to get a raise every year because of the union. Mm-hmm. I fortunately never had to go on strike because in New York the unions are super strong, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to construction, electricians, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. We okay. I worked for another company doing cell phone work, mm-hmm. and we went into a union building. We were non-union. And we went into a union building where mm-hmm. they were constructing the whole inside of the building. Mm. And they go, hey, what part, what union are you guys in? Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, we're, we're not union. Yeah. The guy went, stop. Everybody stopped working. Yeah. I'm mean, talking about the electricians, the wall, the, everybody, the wall guys, people installing everything. They all stopped working. Yeah. And they said, we are walking out until you guys leave. Yeah. I'm like. Uh, uh, we'll just leave then. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they are. They can just walk off. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, like, you know, the WGA, they try to fight the good fight. You know, they try to, like, work with the system and everything, but the system always works against them. Yeah. Like, the WGA, I see it as the Rebel Alliance and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers right. are the Empire. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because, but in like, their case, it's more like. But no, but yeah, and actually it's funny you mentioned non-union workers because that gets into like the next part of the issues is the address the abuse of mini rooms. Mm -hmm. So mini rooms are like little like, okay, so you got a traditional writer's room. Right. Traditional writer's room is about like eight to like 10 writers. And, you know, they um, or depending on like the level of experience on staff and whatever. Right. So that's like the main writer's room. They're the ones that craft out the scripts that just pretty much like lay like the foundation of like the show, movie, whatever. So they plot it out. Exactly. Gotcha. You got your showrunner, you got your um, associate writers and everything. Mm-hmm. So the mini room helps polish those scripts. Okay. And those ones, there's just like a two to three writers and they're non-union and they're just folks that just want to get a job, you know? So this helps get them Get a job. Out. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, they help the showrunner polish like the first two to three scripts. Uh-huh. So, so basically the, uh, the writers in the mini room, they like their work does a lot, like a lot in the long run because we get those iconic lines, right. we get those better shows and everything. Cause if you imagine a show, if they had, if they started off the script that was originally used, oh, it'd be awful. Oh yeah. It'd be awful. And some yeah. movies would be like three and a half hours long. Yeah. So the WGA feels that the mini rooms mm-hmm. shouldn't be a thing because those writers should be as part of the writer's room. As like the other writers are. Yeah. Well, here, well, the that thing doesn't is, make sense, though. Well, here's the thing, though. The reason why the mini rooms are abuses because mm-hmm. again, the studios are trying to uh, cut corners. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because yeah. if a mini writer changes it enough, yeah, the first original writer don't get paid. Yeah, because it's not your creation anymore. Right. Well, it's just which is like, fucked up. Yeah. Well, it's well, just like with like when you work construction, when you right. have when you, when they hire guys who are not part of like the non-union. construction crew, they're yeah. non-union. They just yeah. like, we just need somebody to help with like roofing well what i would compare it to actually is um what do you call it uh remember back in the day marvel comics yeah when the uh before image was created Mm -hmm. they were paying one time for an artist Mm -hmm. or a writer to create a character Mm -hmm. and then not paying them after that as far as like the appearance of the character right that's why they created image comics because all those guys were like we're not getting paid yeah and we don't get to keep our creations yeah they they, like if when deadpool was created Mm -hmm. rob liefeld created deadpool Mm -hmm. and marvel keeps it 
Yeah. It's theirs. Mm-hmm. They pay him one time for the creation of the character. Yes, he gets paid for writing it, mm-hmm. but he can't keep his character. Right. So it's like, what the fuck? Why am I creating all these iconic new characters for you mm-hmm. and I don't get to keep my own character? Absolutely. And that's how it is with the mini rooms because the mini rooms are basically a way to abuse like young writers. Mm. Because here's the thing. With the mini rooms, not only are newer writers less likely to get staffed, uh-huh. get hired on full time, but even if they do, they only make scale. Right. Well, you know what's another thing I heard that Netflix is doing that's fucked up? Mm-hmm. You, uh, Jay Shell, mm-hmm. you could submit a script or for a series, mm-hmm. and they can buy it from you even if you're not a union member. Right. So original uh, scripts are going to them, and mm-hmm. they're buying them from people. Mm-hmm. But they don't. Once they pay them, that's it. It's done. Right. And that's taking away from union writers because it's like if I'm if I submit a script and I'm not union mm-hmm. and they're buying it from me, mm-hmm. they that's fucked up that yeah. takes money out of out of a union worker's pocket absolutely so like with the with many rooms existing that's fucking over young writers because the thing is with the main writers room like it's like um like you're in a motorcycle club yes i was the prospects mm-hmm. the mini room writers are the prospects they <laughs> yeah because like because um because like a regular writer's room right it's a hierarchy you start as a young writer a new writer and then you work your way up mm-hmm. to head writer and eventually, boom, showrunner. So the mini rooms eliminate that. They mm. take away the writer's opportunity to grow within the industry because they're stuck in the mini room. Mini room is basically purgatory, you know? And so they want to eliminate that. In fact, uh, Robert King, he created that. Remember that show, The, the Good Wife? Yes. Yeah, so never he, watched it, but yeah, no. yeah, yeah. So he was a co-creator of that, and he said the talents of writers producers are being acquired for a song. It's a system built on a lie. The writer producers are not exercising their producing muscle when they build stories. Right. They only exercise their producing muscle during filming. This is wrong. When a writer produ- when writer producers are not actually writing a script, but in fact are helping another build and write a story, they are acting as a producer. So it's just like what you said with Rob Liefeld with Deadpool. They created this uh, this great. Um, character or the story mm-hmm. they use it and they get fucked out of it and so yeah that's why they want to eliminate the uh, the mini rooms as well as and you know and make sure that you know the new young writers and everything are brought up and treated with the same respect as with, like you know the full-time writers fucking dignity dude I mean, absolutely that, that's fucked up bro absolutely and honestly and i was going to mention this as well being a writer is one mm-hmm. of the hardest jobs in hollywood i can see that oh yeah so this is like the common ways writers make money so they write a script and they try to find a way to sell it. So right. it's just like how an actor is. Like they're trying to sell like, hey, I could be great for your Yeah, they got to get a hustle on. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Just like with writers. Yeah. Writers are in the same type of yeah, hustle a, mode. A lot of the, they don't have like auditions like actors do, but they yeah. have to submit writings to, in order to get a job. Imagine trying to sell your idea as opposed mm-hmm. to what you can do. Well, there's some, imagine yeah. there's some movies that have gone through like eight different scripts before the fucking movie's made. Right. You and know? let me, and I bet you how many of those like eight different scripts were done with mini rooms. Probably. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then sell the idea to a movie to, stu- to the, stu- for a movie to the studio. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you're lucky, you get hired to write it. So- <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> See, why do you think there's like a lot of like Kevin Smith types, Robert Rodriguez types, like right. the one man film crew. Yes. It's because they need to protect themselves. Not oh, only protect their ideas, but yeah. protect their job security. I, I think Guillermo del Toro is the same way too. Oh yeah. Like all the movies that he's directed, he's mm-hmm. create he's written it. Right. Because and I love his movies. They're oh yeah, yeah. Music. Tarantino. Tarantino's another big example. Well, the I think Tarantino and Rodriguez are a different animal mm-hmm. because like they went in as a one man fucking movie studio almost. Yeah. 
Uh, and it's amazing that they were able to do, make the things that they did. Mm-hmm. You know, like the very first, and, well, Tarantino wrote a script before he became like a one man show. Yeah. He wrote uh, True Romance. Yeah. And he was able to sell it. Yeah. And with that money he made from that, he was able to make Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was, and that's amazing to me. See, and that's like, he was lucky. He was lucky yep. to like get like that good story and everything. Not a lot of writers they write some really great scripts, but they don't have that same type of luck. Yeah. But then also write a book or create some type of intellectual property that the studio buys outright or options, mm-hmm. i.e., giving them well the option to adapt it. And you also might, and if you're lucky again, you might be able to get hired to adapt it for more money, or you might not. Um, get hired to revise an existing screenplay. So basically, like, you know, fine-tune somebody well, else's idea. Right, well, like I said, somebody creates the plot and script, and they mm-hmm. go, well, can you fix this? Right, yeah. exactly. Um, sell an idea for a TV show or maybe a pilot script to a studio, mm-hmm. you know, and you might get hired to be a showrunner, an executive producer, but that's that's a very high mountain yeah. and everything. Or you get hired to write on a TV show as part of the writer's room, the main writer's room, right. which importantly can mean you can also end up producing the show, which means you get paid extra. So there's this whole hierarchy when it comes to writers. Gotcha. So, but yeah, and writers, they get, it's, and we mentioned, um, you know, coming in to like, you know, produce the idea, right. which becomes like the main crux and everything. Ed Brubaker, as you guys know, is one of like the best comic book writers of all time. Right. Well, before we get into him, let's go ahead and take a quick break Mm -hmm. because we'll be right back. Hey, guys, this is Junior from Make It A Combo. Thanks for listening to the Minority Report. But don't forget to listen to our podcast, Make It A Combo, where we review movies, talk shit and have a good time. And our other podcast, M.I.S. Slut, hosted by Andrea where she reads them sexy stories from her listeners. And we're back. Thank you guys for hanging out with us still. So Jay, before we went on, Jay Shell, mm-hmm. excuse me, Jay Shell to his friends. I'm the only <laughs> one allowed to call him Jay Shell. Mm-hmm. I'm his only friend. <laughs> <laughs> only friend in the world. <laughs> yeah. Could you be? Anyway, yeah. uh, so you were saying about Ed Brubaker. I love his work. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, And I think I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Because it's one of my favorite series. And it's actually my favorite movie of that studio absolutely mine as well so ed brubaker basically helped reinvent um captain america for the modern day right uh, he brought in a 70s style political action espionage thriller almost like it, the manchurian it, candidate exactly yeah. absolutely so he's the one that created the winter soldier persona for um bucky bucky barnes bucky yeah. barnes because as you, as you folks may or may not know bucky barnes was basically captain america's robin well, back in world war ii and they actually created him based on robin yeah yeah. Because they needed like a comical, not comical, but a, a youth a plucky, sidekick. A plucky sidekick. Yeah. Like, gee, Willikers. Jiminy Jillikers, radioactive man. <laughs> gosh, gosh, golly. Right. But, and the thing is, it's funny because it, when I was growing up, there was always two people that stayed dead. Mm-hmm. It was Peter Parker's parents. No, excuse me. Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben. Yeah. Uncle Ben and Bucky Barnes. Yeah. And fast forward. To the mid-2000s. And Brubaker bought back Bucky. It's like, no, he's supposed to be dead. But he did it in such an awesome way. He made him into a Manchurian candidate-style yep. assassin. My only issue when they brought back Bucky was, hold on, he was a kid. Yeah. how he grew up? <laughs> Probably like the same like a way that Lionel went from being a kid to a full-grown adult in Thundercats. Well, he explained it great yeah. because he was found almost dead, not yeah. dead. Yeah. And they raised him up to be the super soldier, winter soldier. Mm. 
and then they would put him in hyper uh, cryostasis. Cryostasis. That's yeah. what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say hibernation, but that's yeah. that's cocaine bear. Um, <laughs> so anyway, and that's and that was a great explanation of it. Yeah, right? absolutely. And then that led us. I mean, that led um, the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe, the MCU, to adapt it as the Winter Soldier, the Captain America sequel, which is one of the best. Not only just MCU movies, but superhero oh, movies. Oh no, 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 no! It is the best. In, yeah. in the MCU, yeah, the best, yeah, and come at me, bro, yeah, but no, but like it was phenomenal because it, was, it, it helped, it, it helped create a different tone for Captain America. It helped um, modernize Steve Rogers. Yeah, it like it made Sebastian stand into a star. Absolutely, like, he is, <laughs> and I'm saying like he's now one of the internet boyfriends, him, oh, Keanu Reeves, yeah. and all that, oh, Pedro yeah. Pascal. But yeah, so it was such a great story. And it was all because of Ed Brubaker. Mm-hmm. So they brought him in. He cameoed in the movie as one of the Hydra scientists. Yes. They used like his story to like for like the script and everything. Here's where the sad story comes well, in. Bro, they do, they use one of his lines directly from the comic book. Yeah. When Captain America goes, Bucky? And he turns around and goes, who the hell's Bucky? Yeah. That's, and even the angle that they filmed it at mm-hmm. is exactly the panel from the comic book. See, now this is where the next part is going to get very sad. Mm. So... With all that iconic moments that he helped provide, he was not invited to the premiere of Winter Soldier. Dick. No, not at Dick all. Not move. even ticket. You know, he had to reach out to Sebastian Stan to get a ticket in. Wow. Imagine recreating a classic character that's now like one of the staples of the MCU. Mm, yeah. One of the favorites because people love Bucky. Bro. But he's he's almost on the Ryan Reynolds everyone simps for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you see Bucky cosplayers at almost every con. Actually, yeah. no, it's strike that. Every con, not almost. I think so, it's because he I mean, like he said he's iconic, yeah. but his design, yeah. which I'm sure Ed Brubaker had a hand in, mm-hmm. is one of the best designs I've ever seen in a comic book character. And the writer didn't even get a fucking invite to the to the popular kids so, table. But S- Sebastian Stan, you're saying is the man? Oh yeah, stand man. Yeah, gotcha. So, and that's that's just one. <laughs> Green eggs and ham. Sorry. Right. So that's just that's just one other writer story. It's fucked up. Here's another one. Have you guys ever watched the bear? The bear. Yeah. Cocaine bear. No. What is oh. with you in cocaine bear? <laughs> I don't know, dude. When I, you know what, I heard that that's based on a true event. It is. Yeah. But, but anyway, anyway, anyway. What you're saying. Okay. So the bear is a new show on Hulu. Oh no, an FX, I believe. Um, is it about a hairy gay guy? No. Would you let me finish? <laughs> Jesus. I say bear and you have like different like types of storylines. <laughs> but anyway, so the bear stars uh, Jeremy Allen White, as you know, as a uh, lip from Shameless, Philip. Um, oh, okay. Did, yeah. Oh, the dude with the big blue eyes and the giant nose? Yeah, the young Sean Penn looking dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So he plays a, um, a, a, a very like high elite culinary chef. Like he was like training the best, like uh, the best of the best. I think I've seen a trailer for it. Yeah. So he is a working class Italian guy from Chicago. Right. And he makes a, you know, he's like working in Michelin five-star restaurants. Mm. So after the death of his um, brother, he goes back to his hometown in Chicago and takes over his uh, brother's like a uh, Italian deli sandwich shop. Wait, another show he's in is in Chicago? Oh no. Yeah, it's Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's one of the best new shows. Like it is fucking really? phenomenal. And what did you say it streams on? Um, it's on Hulu. Oh, okay. Yeah. I kind of almost feel guilty watching shows now because of the strike. Right, right. Um, but um, so with uh, with that and everything, it's, you know, it got awards. Jeremy Allen, I think Jeremy Allen White won the Golden Globe. 
and everything. Did he? Oh yeah, wow. he he crushes it. If you love him as Lip and Shameless, you love him in this one. I, honestly, to me, he was the best part of the show. Yeah, his storyline was the best. You know, yeah. imagine being an intellectually superior member of your family. Yeah, but you have to struggle because they can't take care of themselves. It was an R-rated Malcolm in the Middle, if you think about it. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so Alex O'Keefe, who is a staff writer for the Bear, who um. He lives in a very small, cramped apartment, and he doesn't get paid very well, even though he's one of the writers of one of the most acclaimed shows running right now. At the Golden Globes, he had to put a bow tie on layaway. Wait, hold on. <laughs> a bow tie on layaway. Yeah. That's like, a, 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 at most, like a $50 item. Yeah. Damn, that's fucked up. Again, Ed Ed and Alex are two examples of writers who get completely fucked over because the studios always want to cut corners. They don't want to take care of their, you know, they don't want to provide like um, compensation for the writers. They don't want to take care of them. And writers, again, they're the backbone. They're the fucking blood of yeah. these TV shows and these movies. And they're getting dicked over. Yeah, Ed Brubaker's gotten fucked over twice then because oh, yeah. a lot of comic book writers, oh, yeah. they, fuck, they, they had to create an organization to... Mm -hmm. That takes donations to help writers who've retired for comic book creators because they don't yeah. they don't get they get paid to write the one like a, like a writer mm -hmm. they they get paid to write that one issue mm -hmm. and that's it yeah you know, and artists too but mm -hmm. anyway but yeah so this is why they strike because of stories like that um, pension and healthcare I mentioned and everything and um, but yeah so a lot of people are complaining like you know but like you know they're writers you know like they should be happy and everything they got a job like um, they they can barely have a job because if a show ends or is in break again they have to scramble to get another job if they're lucky that's why they have to moonlight as like dog walkers waiters waitresses it's like when I used to work at GameStop and GameStop employees get treated like shit the only way you can make a living if you're a GameStop employee is if you're a store manager. If you're a key holder or assistant manager or a game advisor, you get fuck all. I've worked with um, assistant managers that had to moonlight with like uh, second jobs while like working at GameStop. That's it's up. no different from writers. And this is why they strike. And honestly, this isn't the first strike as we've mentioned. There have been several other strikes. One back in the 1960s, in the 80s, uh, in the 2000s and you know what it's always about money money residuals yep. so back in the 80s when the writer strike was going on it was due to residuals from home media when uh vhs, VHS Betamax, became big, yeah yeah they the writers didn't get compensation for that and um as oh syndication as well yeah and then going to um flash forward to the 2007 2008 writer strike it was about residuals for again home media but this time dvd collection says remember back in the uh 2000s yep all those shows yeah, yeah, yeah. released like those like um dvd box sets, yeah. box mm -hmm. sets and everything and those sold to like hotcakes i remember buying like the boondocks box set Chappelle show <laughs> I, I, living color i owned every south park season up to 10 yeah and i owned every family guy season i think up to like eight yeah so yeah. Those made the those <laughs> made those made the creators and the studios so much money because this is before streaming. Like folks were able to like watch their own shows and binge watch and everything because of those uh, DVD uh, box sets. Mm. But the writers didn't get any of that. Right, that's fucked up. Dude. It is fucked up. Yeah, so that's why they strike. And honestly, I don't blame them. 
honestly, I be I believe writers are treated unfairly, and they deserve every compensation. They deserve healthcare plan. They deserve pension. They deserve to be treated the same way as the executive producers, as the as the actors, actresses. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they yeah. come up with all the words that yeah. the the actors are saying. Right. You know. Absolutely. And you know what's you know what's a fucked up thing is that the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television, they could actually give in to the WGA's um, demands mm. and would even lose a cent. Like hell, they could foot those studios could foot the bill and they'd still be uh, bringing home sixty three million dollars. But no, fuck, they refuse to. Yeah, and then some actors like get paid a million dollars or more an episode. Oh yeah, you know, mm -hmm. and not every actor is gonna be like, uh, what do you call it, Johnny Galecki? Mm -hmm. uh, what's the guy that played Sheldon? Yeah. Oh, um, Jim Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons and yeah. Penny. Mm -hmm. I forget her name. Oh, Kaylee Kiyoko, Kuoko. Yeah. They took a pay cut. Mm -hmm. For the other actors to be able to come up to their yeah. to their level, because mm -hmm. they were getting paid more than the other actors, and when they found out, they said, "Wait a minute, what?" Yeah. Same so, thing with the cast so they, of Friends. Yes, yeah, so they said, yeah. "Cut our pay and give them more." Yeah, yeah. And so, but the writers are getting fucked over. But speaking of actors, there's a lot of them that are coming out in support of them. Absolutely, absolutely. And let me tell you, like it is, it warms my heart to see actors like fighting the good fight for the alongside the uh, the writers. So it's a who's who of um of folks uh, picketing. So Fred Armisen, Curtis Armstrong as you know as Booger from uh, Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> Rachel Bloom, eight, um what was it? John Cryer, John Daly, Nino Dobrev, Friend Drescher, the Tina devil Faye, himself. The devil himself, uh Lucifer, yeah. um Tom uh Tom Ellis. Tom Ellis. Yeah. Uh Tina Fey, Gina Gershon, Clark Gregg. Um, oh, I love this. Um, Manny Patinkin. Bro, Manny Patinkin yes. is the man, dude. Enigdo Montoya is yes. the shit. Let me tell you. Uh, let me try to find it real quick. But You know what it is? He's gotten to the age where he's got no fucks to give. And oh, he, yeah. And he lives comfortable. So he goes, yeah, I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Let me try to. Uh, but yeah, so he's, he's striking. Rob Lowe. Natasha Leone, Cynthia right. Nixon, Constance Marie, Bob Odenkirk, motherfucking Saul Goodman is fighting. Is <laughs> Saul fighting. Goodman. Yep. Patton Oswalt, Cal Penn, Carrie Preston, Sarah Mears, Michael Rappaport. Um, it's just a long list of all of these actors who are so critically acclaimed, who have a strong influence in Hollywood. They know that how how it is, how the struggle is. Um, so they're they're joining the good fight and everything. And of course, you have folks, they're not picketing, but they're expressing their support. Um, that's Drew Barrymore, Jennifer Coolidge, Stephen Colbert, Pete Davidson, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg voices support for the writers, Edie Falco, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself. So, long story short, mm -hmm. almost every single actor. Pretty much. Out there. Yeah. In other words, if you're an actor that doesn't support them, mm -hmm. you're an asshole. Oh, big time. Yeah. So, this strike, this means that writers cannot. Um, brainstorm they cannot meet with like studios to like pitch they could not of course write they cannot fine-tune a script polish a script or anything basically no work whatsoever right um, and yeah so and not only like I said like this effect you know how like the 2007 strike affected like a lot of shows and everything mm -hmm. this has as well because a lot of shows have been and movies so far, I've been affected by the strike. First one was um, Blade, the MCU uh, Blade movie. 
that's been a that's on hold right now. Um, let's see, uh, Good Fortune as well. Um, TV shows Abbott Elementary, nine one one Abbott Elementary. By the way, fucking phenomenal show. I would recommend that as well, especially if you are a teacher or know folks who are teachers. American Horror Story season um, three has been affected. American Horror Story season twelve. Oh, I was about to say American Horror Story is like in twelve seasons. Oh, you mean American Horror Stories? Yes, oh, plural. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Big Mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah, Cobra Kai season six has been affected. That mm-hmm. hurts because I love that show. Um, but I understand. I understand. Daredevil: Born Again for, uh, for Disney Plus. The, wow. The Connors, Family Guy. Oh, by the way, Family Guy. Seth MacFarlane. He he spoke out like I am not working on that show until. The writer's uh, demands are met. Yeah, good. Yeah. And, and he's like two-thirds of the voices on the fucking show. Absolutely. So, yeah. You take away Seth uh, Seth MacFarlane, you've got no family guy. You've got no American dad. <laughs> nope. Um, Grey's Anatomy, Handmaiden's Tale, The Last of Us, Season 2, Night Court, Not Dead Yet, um, Power, Book 2, The Rookie. So Stra- a, lot, a lot of fucking shows. Yeah. And a lot of popular shows. Stranger Things. <gasps> no. Season 5 has been put on hold. Well, they're going to come back. The kids are 40. Right. <laughs> it's going to be like the South Park post-pandemic special. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, talk shows as well and everything. But dude, the impact writers have made to the industry is immense. The fact that this isn't the first strike speaks volumes about how greedy the studios are and how greedy the alliance of motion picture and televisions are. They've gone through this shit several hundred fucking times and they still won't change their ways about how they treat writers. It's because they're not losing money. Yeah. Once they start losing money and they see that it's affecting their bottom line, that's when the strike will be over. But that's the thing. They've lost money before. I mentioned that they lost almost $12 billion with the last strike. Damn. They keep losing money. Stop biting the hand that fed you. So, in other words, just to wrap, just to wrap it up, yeah, fucking Hollywood, get your head out your ass. Pay, Absolutely, pay writers what they deserve. Absolutely, writers, we're on your side. Um, you know, keep fighting the good fight. You deserve everything that you guys ask oh, for. I'm all about the unions, bro. Totally. I, I hate the fact that I live into a, a right to work state. Mm-hmm. Okay. For those of you who don't know, a right to work state basically means your employer can fire you for any reason. Mm-hmm. You can come in the wrong color shirt that day and they'll just they can fire you. They don't have to have a, a reason. Yeah. You know, when you're in a union job, they have to be mm-hmm. able to support why they're firing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, mm-hmm. but that's getting off track. Yeah. So I love unions and I believe in the writers union. Mm-hmm. So I want to support them. I can't really do anything directly, mm-hmm. but except for not watch, I guess, TV and movies. Right. <laughs> Right. But, um, but no, like, you know, I've done, you know, creative writing as well myself. Right. It is a tough process. So imagine doing that as a nine to five job. Oh no, dude. So, I've, I've yeah. had movies in my head that I was like, Oh, this yeah. would be great. I mm-hmm. sit down with a paper and pen. I go, I'm going to write this. Yeah. And two seconds later, I'm like, no, nah, this yeah. is hard. <laughs> and you know what? And honestly, you know what? As much as it, it's a bummer to like, see like your favorite movies, TV shows being right. like postponed and everything. It's for the right reasons yeah. because if it wasn't for the writers being treated the way they are, we wouldn't be in this situation again. So in other words, it's like Chris Rock said, I wouldn't do it, but I understand. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks a lot for hanging out with us. Remember to tune in to Make It A Combo every Monday with a new episode reviewing new movies. And of course, on Wednesdays where Andy uh, tells you the sexy stories from her listeners, uh, go ahead and listen to Am I A Slut podcast. And be sure you come back every Friday to hear Jay Shell and myself as we give you the Minorities Report. 
So, for the writers, power to the people. And we will see you. You've just listened to Make It a Combo from Make It a Combo Productions. Executive produced by Jesse and Junior. Check us on all our platforms at Make It a Combo Pod. And don't forget to follow our other podcasts, Am I a Slut? and The Minorities Report. Thank you and goodbye.